What up, y'all? Welcome to the Gunslinger Gaming Frosty Pints Podcast. I'm Gobi. With me tonight is the Doc, Asami, the Leetness, and of course, Zero Burn. How y'all doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Splendid. We are we are missing, you know, one of our one of our regulars, Omega. Uh, best of luck to the Ravens in their sports ball game. Yay, Ooh. sports ball. I am also a fan of sports playing? ball. It doesn't matter. They're playing a football team. Are they playing the football team? The Washington football team? Oh, well, in that case, the Ravens. They're playing a football team that is uh, home in a... or that is homed, uh, located in a state. Ooh. Oh, they're playing the somewhere. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, that's definitely... This is going to be an interesting game. They're playing the Good luck to the Ravens and good luck to the Chiefs. Um, are yeah, the, are if the you are watching Kansas, this game, it's probably going to be a good game. Are the Kansas City Chiefs especially adept at touching the ball? Well, they are the reigning Super Bowl champions, so they probably are the best at touching the ball. Why is the prize? Why is the prize for? Uh, the the touch ball game it's a bowl cup, a bowl why yeah why is it it's it's actually a giant trophy with a giant ball on top that's gold I believe and at the bottom it says Lombardi Trophy and then the winner's name is it not shaped like a bowl at all that, no that, it's not like this well I mean heck if you want to get technical the Stanley Cup is a bowl yeah no it's it's called the Lombard Lombardi Trophy. I mean, a cup really is a bowl, but I under I understand the logic behind that. But you claim that this is some sort of super bowl when it's not I don't, bowler at all. Yep. They play it in a bowl. It isn't played in a bowl. It's the stadium like... looks like a bowl from the ups from the top. If there's no roof, it looks like a big giant bowl. It's the Super Bowl. It's the biggest bowl. <laughs> It is the one would say it is the fanciest bowl. In fact, for anybody to even handle the trophy, they must wear <laughs> white cotton gloves. Oh, I was so going <laughs> waiting for the ACDC reference there. Come on. Is uh is it also like like baseball the World Series where only America participates? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? You are correct, sir. <laughs> Oh god, that's great! I love it. Oh uh, yeah, nope, it's perfect. <laughs> oh yeah, make... oh. American sports, everybody—they make no sense. But go Red Sox. Sports in general, though. Yeah, go Sox. They're they're a better touch ball team than the Ravens. Ah, oh, they got lucky and beat my Braves. No such thing as luck when it comes to the Boston Red Sox, my friend. It's all skill. Sorry. Wait, how many, how many years oh. did they go without a championship? It like you were saying Skittle. It's, <laughs> it's all about skill. It's all skill! I tried to say it with a straight face, but it really hurt. I'm not going to lie. Because, if he, because Niggle well knows the, the struggles of being a Red Sox fan. You know, the, the fact that they constantly disappoint. 
they constantly disappoint and they are constantly like really good if you're a red sox fan then you're just a fan of roller coaster rides of emotion i liked their hat when i was in south africa um my cousin gave me a red sox hat do you like hats with the letter b on them yeah okay all right fair enough it was a it was a nice colored hat and um i like the lettering i have many of those I have them in all colors. I had zero clue what it was for, actually. <laughs> I found out later. You. I had random people shouting socks at me. And I was like, yes, I do have socks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, rich kid in South Africa, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, this could afford a hat. A very, very <laughs> fast downward turn. I could afford a hat. Where yeah, we most... should talk about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It's still coming, but not this year. Fine, we'll talk oh. about games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should, maybe, for a minute or two. I mean, before you guys take up the entire podcast talking about Warframe. Should I go oh. back into Warframe? No. <laughs> no. In a, yes. Yes, you should, but in in a moment, just a moment. Um, uh, yeah, give, give us like twenty minutes to cover this, so you don't minutes. You zone out. I just I'm excessive. trying to be nice here. All right, fine. My, my bedtime in twenty minutes anyway. <laughs> yeah, Lena's is gonna. Bow. This is a rare, by the way, a rare guest appearance by the Lena's, who has ditched this podcast for something like eight months straight. And he's finally here, <laughs> and he's going to go to bed at 9.30. I blame it on no, it. Which is an hour from now. Hey, you can... Like nine, no, no, no. It's like 9 o'clock. He's central time zone. He's he's with me. He's central time zone. It's only 8.30. Yeah, right. So if he goes to bed at 9.30, you can stay around for the whole podcast. All right, then. Electronic Arts still hasn't revealed Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition. Uh, and the reason that they were going to do that is that they were going to announce a remastered trilogy. Mass Effects 1, 2, and 3, the glorious Mass Effects, arguably the best Mass Effects, everyone says so. Uh, the remastered trilogy was going to be an October reveal, and yep. possibly even an October release. I don't know if they were planning on just, you know, like, dropping it and being like, hey, we're remastering these series, and you can buy them right now. Seems like it's something that EA would do. Um, but they are pushing their release to early 2021, which means sometime of September next year. Uh, so yeah, according to the article, which was put out by VentureBeat, the uh, primary factor for holding up developments beyond the COVID pandemic, obviously, is that the original Mass Effect game, uh, currently does not live up to the quality of the rest of the package, which is kind of true. If you go back and you play that game, it's the most limited of the three because they were, they were getting their footing, you know, it was the first Mass Effect game and it could make a, f a poor first impression for new players and it might disappoint fans who then won't go on to play and experience the impressive upgrades for Mass Effect 2 and 3. So that, that is the official statement from the development team at EA and Bioware. Impressive upgrades, you say? Well, okay, so yes. I've played the modded version with 4K textures on Mass Effect 1, and it is a really pretty game with full textures, so it makes me believe that they're doing more to the actual game engine and that's what's holding up production which i'm completely okay with <laughs> well 
Well, because right, if so it was just a texture thing, I th I don't think it'd be a problem. I I have a feeling they're fixing something like there's something more that's hindering the graphics, and it's in the engine, and they're trying I... to get rid of that. See, I don't think, reading through this, or reading through the statement, I don't think it has anything to do with the graphics or the, the engine or the gameplay or anything like that. Well, not some of the gameplay mechanics, I should say. I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that. There's already upgrades for the graphics and the, the textures and all the rest of that. Right. Uh, upgrading the visuals would probably be the least of their concerns if, the, if that's all they were doing. <laughs> They're saying it currently does not live up to the quality of the rest of the package. I think this is interpretation. It's all in my opinion. I think they're actually talking about your... Uh, conversation selections, the storylines that you go through, the quests, they might be adding additional content to this. Or more, so you're thinking you know, more intra dialogue. Content. See, well, I was almost wondering if they're not rebuilding Mass Effect 1 on, like, the same engine as Mass Effect 3. Did it... I'm not even aware that it changed. I wasn't into that much gaming back when I played those games, or I didn't know that much about gaming, so I don't even know if the engine changed from 1 to 2 to 3. Um, it's probably similar engine. It's probably like a, uh updated, you know, like uh, Unreal Tournament, use it, or Unreal Engine 4 versus Unreal Engine 4.5. Uh yeah, see it uses Unreal Three, it for Mass Effect. Interesting. Okay, all right. Oh, they so both all... use Mass Effect. They all use Unreal Engine Three. So, yeah, it's well. Okay, that explains. That might explain some of the issues too. <laughs> well, that we'll see. That just furthers my my whole opinion that they're they're focusing on the actual gameplay itself, like the the amount of conversation that you could have with your crew in Mass Effect 2 and 3, the, the level of detail in the characters, how well you can get to know the characters oh. and everything like that was huge and expansive. When you go back to Mass Effect 1, the characters seem a little two-dimensional. Um, when I They did the really time, good on the, the worlds. Like yeah, Mass Effect 1, the worlds sure. and the exploration were amazing, but the conversation lacked, and in 2 and 3, it was kind of more... Like, the conversations were better, and we won't say the planet sucked, but they weren't necessarily as good. They were a little more close, a little more, yeah, yes. a little, little uh, small, easier to manage for development teams. But, you know, that's fine. It all worked. It became a more of a story-driven game in 2 and 3, and maybe that's what they're focusing on, which would be really fucking cool if they got some of the voice actors back and were like, hey, new dialogue options, guys. And we had, like, bonus content for uh, Mass Effect 1 that was, like, in the, the Legendary Remastered Edition that was not in the original. That would actually be... That'd be a huge selling point. Um, the, the other thing I would like to see is the multiplayer from Mass Effect 3, but using maps from all of the Mass Effects. That would be neat. That could be neat. That could be really neat. Who else here played uh, the the first Mass Effect game when it came out? Oh, I didn't play when it came out. I didn't play it when it came out. I played it after Mass Effect Three came out. I got about ten minutes into Mass Samir. Effect. I got about ten minutes into Mass Effect Three and was like, "Oh no, I need to go back and play the first <laughs> two. <laughs> Something is terribly wrong." <laughs> I uh, I beat Mass Effect Three and I was like, "Wow." Um... This is a surprisingly really good game. 
let me go back and see what I missed. And then I replayed them from one through three. Um, it was actually funny. The only reason I picked up Mass Effect in the first place is I walked into GameStop and they had it mismarked at the time for like, it was a brand new game. I knew it had just come out and somebody had mismarked it for 10 bucks. <laughs> and so they had to sell it to me for 10 bucks. And I was like, well, fuck it. It's a brand new game for 10 bucks. Can't hurt. Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. It definitely didn't hurt. I mean, I ended up giving EA a bunch more money. Masami, ever uh, dabble into the Mass Effect universe? I have watched uh, an ex and a current uh, husband play it, so that's probably the bulk of my uh, uh, experience lies is in watching other people play it, but... um, I think I've seen one and two the most. Like, I've not really seen a lot of three, but I really enjoyed them. The story was solid. I still like three, no matter what people say. Like, oh, it doesn't matter what you do, all the endings are the same. No, they're not. Um, I would say uh, three was... I still love it. It's still installed on both my PC and my laptop. Three was, without a doubt, the largest of the the trilogy it was fucking huge the number of planets that you went to the amount of uh content that you had to go through the conversations the characters and also okay we haven't brought this up before does anyone remember back when you play uh no it wasn't you play origin back when origin first came out and they had uh, Mass, Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. Yeah, Bioware points, exactly. They had Bioware points, and you earned Bioware points from getting achievements in Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3. And then you used your Bioware points to buy the DLC. So you were effectively getting DLC for free because you played the game and got achievements. And now we all know why EA got rid of that. Yeah, EA got rid of that immediately. Mass Effect 3 might not have even been, like, completely done with releasing its DLC before they got rid of that. But that's how I got all my DLC for the Mass Effect games was through Bioware points. I will say it's much easier now that they have the do DLC packs, so you can just download all the DLC for one price. And it's way cheaper, too. Because before, like, the DLC never went on sale. And they were each like ten bucks a piece. And what was there, like six of them for Mass oh, Effect Three? There were so fucking many. Yeah, there were. I actually want to log into Leviathan, Omega, Omega. Yeah, um, these these were not. I mean, we're talking about DLC packs that were not small. They had cosmetics and shit like that, and you could buy you know, special yeah. weapons and stuff for Bioware points. But there was full fledged DLC that took you hours of story to get through. <laughs> Like, new battles, new enemies, new conversations, new allies. Uh, there was... It was significant. And they were given it away for free with Bioware points. And that system was so glorious. So glorious that and, it couldn't last. I mean, even even at 10 bucks, I know it sounds like I'm complaining, but you got your $10 worth for that DLC. It's probably the last game that I can say that for. Mass Effect 3 is the, it's, I think the, some of the gameplay movies that they have up on YouTube are 17 hours long, 
or you know between 17 and 24 hours long of just dialogue and story going through that whole game so you're effectively buying a television show that you can play like, that you can interactively play with so it it was it's worth it like ten dollars or 60 bucks yeah for a triple a title that was finished when it came out yeah it was it was worth it yeah for sure unlike fleetness? the next game fleetness i want to see if fleetness has ever played mass effect i have yeah i played one and two on i played one actually on a console which was weird because <gasps> a, yeah i know like an i think it was on the xbox gonna what? faint or 360 no it might have yeah. been Oh yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. And then uh, I played two on the PC, and then I bought three and never played it. <laughs> oh, three! You should definitely play three. Definitely yeah, worth play through. I only ended up getting it long a, a lot a lot later after it was released. Um, but yeah, I never played it. I, well, I started playing it and. Garus and Liara for the win. Path of Exile. Fuck the rest of them. I remember, <laughs> yeah, it was on, it must have been on Xbox. Um, oh no, I guess it, did, it got a, a PS3 release as well. But yeah, uh, Xbox 360, it came out. I remember on break from college. 2007, right? Is yeah, when it released? Been, yeah, summer of 2007. No, it would have been the summer of 2008. Or it would have been winter, Christmas break in 2007. But I was home from college and I went over to a high school friend's house. Like the only high school friend I was still like talking to at that time. Um, and he handed me the controller to his Xbox. And he's just like, yo, check out this game. Play this game. This is like, is bizarre. We've, I've never played anything like this before. It's like interactive with conversations and shit. And also you get to kill things. And I was like, okay. And uh, I went through the first part of Mass Effect where... You uh, were on Eden Prime, and then you got back to the station, and you became a Spectre. And I played it on Xbox 360, and I was just like, huh, weird. And then I didn't play it again until, like, 2010. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun game for me. Were you Paragon or Renegade? I'm pretty sure I would have gone Paragon. Because yeah, you're such a paragon, you're an upstanding citizen. Yep. That's me. <laughs> Mine was like 95% paragon. I had to shoot the one guy in the face. There are some yeah. renegade opportunities that are too good to pass up. Uh, yeah, there, there really are. Like Option one, mercy. Option two, blow his face off. Hmm. Wonder which option I should... Boom. He was oh, a royal dick okay. and an asshole. You know what? We're just better off without him. <laughs> it's, it's like you video game. You didn't even give me a chance to finish reading the options. <laughs> my favorite. No, I uh, think my favorite renegade moment was probably in. I think it was in Mass Effect Two, where you, for some reason you're on a loading dock and there are these there's this merc in front of you that's threatening you and being like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna wipe the floor with you." You see my buddies back there that are coming up? We're gonna fucking destroy you if you don't turn your ass around and get out of here. And your options are like, stand there and listen to this guy talk shit, or shoot a single pistol round into the support that's holding up this giant crate and let the crate fall onto his backup and crush them. And I'm like, hmm. 
You stood there and talked to him, right? Like, uh, yep, you so no, stood I, there and listened to him. I crushed his back up. Are you kidding me? No, you don't. Don't don't bat. Don't Everybody leave. crushed their back up. Everybody crushed the back up. It's a bad like idea to talk shit to Shepard. Oh, shit, that's don't just take no shit. I mean, yeah, it'd be like talking shit to a space ninja. Speaking of, I should. Uh... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Girlfriend. <clears throat> yeah, so you guys, oh, well, we could stay on the space and we'll talk about something depressing for a minute. Um, We're all kind of fans of Battlestar Galactica, and apparently Michael Hogan was at a convention for it somewhere in uh, Vancouver in, on February 17th. He fell and hit his head pretty bad, and... Uh, took 57 staples to close part of his skull. Oh, God. Jeez, look. Sounded like um, he had a killer experience, honestly. Yeah, so a bunch of the the cast from um, Battlestar is promoting and trying to help him out and stuff. Yeah, that's sad, uh, that's sad here. Uh, if anybody uh, watched Battlestar... Or played Mass Effect. He he was also voice a uh, actor in Mass Effect. Um, <laughs> he played the C uh, chief of CSEC in Mass Effect Two and oh, Three. Fuck, he does. I was never uh, so surprised to hear that voice because I watched all of Battlestar Galactica. Yep. Um, Michael Hogan is the actor who played uh, Ty Saul Ty, I think was his name on um, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, he was uh, second command. Yeah, second in command of the Galactica, and he is, he, he was born in 49, so he's 71 years old this year, and uh, to get it to the head, so I uh, hope he's doing okay, he seemed like yeah. an okay guy. Yeah, I mean, it, I always enjoyed him in shows, I don't think I've seen him in anything bad. But again, I didn't even realize he was a Mass Effect. Well wishes for him, man. That that's that's tough. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I'm just reading this article now. I didn't realize that it happened in February. Um, uh, medical expenses for the actor who has been hospitalized since February after suffering a massive brain bleed from a fall that uh, left him with complete paralysis on his left side, some memory loss, and cognitive impairment with the in inability to swallow. So Dude. that's that's rough. Yeah, he injured his brain. Jesus. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty bad fall. Sucks, but yeah. It, it I'll I'll tell you, him and his family. That's why, you know, I may joke around about having had seventeen concussions, but that shit's real, man. That that when I hear that somebody's had a massive brain injury like that it it makes me realize just how lucky of an individual i was to be able to you know walk away not once not twice but 17 different times how hard is your head um i wrestled in high school masami so oh I mean, yeah. explains it so wrestling <laughs> in high school somehow gives you a thick skull yeah um 
<laughs> yeah, it's, you know, practice. You bounce your head off ground so many times, it just automatically adds inches of bone to the skull. Yeah, that mat, that mat is only, uh, you know, maybe two inches thick, and then it's basketball floor underneath it. Yeah, I mean, this is the same thing that football players do, and they uh, <laughs> they have to quit when they're in their 40s because they've got brain damage. You're lucky, what's, man. What's Dane Bramage? I mean... Hi-oh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. That was ill-timed. It, yeah, it's okay. bad. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is bad timing. So, uh, yeah, Hogan is... Um, Hogan's got a... What is this, a Kickstarter? I, there's a couple of them. There are a couple. Of, okay. Um, where the fuck was I? I just had it. Uh, a friend, uh, Sherry Ulrich, uh, started a GoFundMe page. Organized. Uh, she's a family friend of uh, Hogan's family, and uh, the several uh, co-stars of Battlestar Galactica have shared the GoFundMe page. So. This this is yeah. He's facing some pretty serious medical bills, and he is unlikely to be ever, ever be able to work again. So that's rough. If you're, Sorry. If you're into donating, this is definitely a worthy cause. Absolutely. Yeah. I will even uh, go so far as to link uh, in my in my Twitch feed in my Twitch of. Uh, box i'll i'll get the links and i'll put them in there for anybody that wants to wants to donate cool thanks man <clears throat> sure is family appreciated too i'm going to drop this in the podcast channel and you can do with uh with it as yeah. you wish thank you sir yeah uh well we can move on to more depressing well not less depressing now fallout 76 they're Christ, yeah, giving like a cakewalk shit. <laughs> uh yeah so they're adding some steel dawn stuff that's gonna go under around um underway that's on the ptr and they're gonna let you build underground bases which have it doesn't cost you towards your cost of your camp for your above ground or whatever uh basically it's a way for people to explore and build more they just and want that's going to be on the so do you need to like too. gather resources to build underground and shit like that is this another mechanic where they're like hey spend more time in the game gathering shit so that you can build meaningless stuff underground it sounds like it's going to be more for like the creative people like there's not it's not going to it doesn't sound like it's going to cost resources to build underground okay which is kind of cool because i mean yeah you're right if you got to grind out more like shit like I'm sorry, but it's as, so fucking annoying. As long as they don't, um, you know, make a Preston Garvey NPC that tells you another <laughs> settlement is in danger and you need to go help. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just broke Doc. Um, Maybe not that hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I didn't. I've been playing this for a while now and... Uh, kind of left it for a little bit and then i came back after the one wasteland update and it has made it a little bit more of a pain in the ass i'm not gonna lie it's a little bit harder now have they started um i know that they were talking about some aspect of cross play 
are they doing that between any of the systems right now not yet i it's one of the few games i think could really benefit from being on crossplay i think it could also benefit from a little game pass love too um i mean look at no man's sky that kind of blew up after it went on game pass um and of course they put out a couple of updates since then too um and the crossplay update really helped as well well I mean, it's not like um, Microsoft, you know, it's not like Microsoft owns Bethesda now or anything. So it's not like that's something they could easily do, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it would it would definitely be cool. I mean, I could get I could see where people could have an issue with it, but. Uh, that's OK. There's, there's people, so many ways to do people, it that those people are on PlayStation. Therefore, their lives don't matter. <laughs> Was that, was that out loud? I am so sorry. Um, Shout out to our PS4 community. <laughs> uh, we we don't we don't hate you guys. We swear. All right, no, we love all joke. of you. You joke. just <laughs> yeah. So all right. So here's the deal. This is coming from Pete Hines, who's uh, uh, I want to say that he's a feature developer or one of the one of the top devs of um, of Fallout seventy six. There, there was some thought put into creating crossplay back when uh, the game launched in 2018 or whatever it was. Um, that's there's no more plan for that. It was put on the back burner during development because it wasn't viewed as you know something that gamers were interested in, which was a colossal oversight <laughs> on Bethesda's part. And now we're at a point in the game development where it's increasingly ever more likely that there will never be crossplay for Fallout 76. So whatever platform you're playing it on, you're playing it with your friends who are on the same platform. That's how it is until uh, Bethesda gets their uh, head out of their asses. Together. Until Microsoft forces Bethesda to make it cross-play between at least Xbox and PC. But it's Which never going to be cross-play with Sony. Well, yeah, because Sony, Sony refuses to flip the switch on uh, Fortnite, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, they've done it now. Oh, they yeah. have. Yeah, they've done it. Pete Hines actually tweeted out uh, and was just like, yeah, clap, clap, well done, Sony. Yeah, it's they... only taken them how long to do that? I mean... Oh, for fucking ever. I mean, I'm yeah, sure think... somebody had somebody tied down to a chair. There was nipple twisting <laughs> involved. It was probably... Yeah. Shit probably got weird. And you can uh, sure well, I mean, it did. You can be sure... It. Go ahead, Masami. Probably a lot of crops and people in leather. <laughs> More of that, please. Uh, <laughs> All right, sir. Uh, <laughs> Thank God I've got this podcast gated behind the eighteen or gated for mature content. Whatever. Why? Off Twitch. <laughs> oh God, I love it. Wait yeah, until, uh, so uh, starts, uh, telling stories about uh, the corporal punishment he received in school as a child. <laughs> we can actually, get back yeah. to that again. We're we're gonna make Leetness talk though because I noticed he was the one who posted um the No Man's Sky trailer. The no Are you gonna get back in the No Man's Sky trailer in uh for Origins? I believe you posted it in Doc's channel. Yeah, I am. I am interested in. I, I did update it and have the latest version installed, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I am going to okay. jump in there, though. I played quite a good chunk of it, 
in the past. So I, mean, I will you, warn you. <laughs> did you find sure. it engaging? Did you what did you like about uh Nomansky? I liked I liked the the I mean just being able to go to different planets and it's kind of open box, you know, you can do uh, sandbox, you can do whatever the hell you want really. Um so you can find things that make it interesting for you. I did kind of get bored towards the end and that's why I probably stopped playing. But I mean, there was there was some engaging content there. Like I enjoyed the the crafting system. I enjoyed discovering things and then but then discovering the same things over and over again kind of got a bit tedious for me. So, yeah. I've, I and then it just seemed like the progression wasn't going fast enough for me. So, <laughs> I don't know. It uh but it was it was fun for what it was. For me solo play kind of petered out. Uh, eventually, as you say, I kept on seeing the same things over and over again, even though they were technically yeah. different plant species or different planets or different whatevers. I'd probably be more engaged if, if like, it were if we were doing multiplayer for sure. But that and that's the whole problem why Omega and I stopped playing is because the co-op is slapped on as an afterthought, and it's yeah. it's really you can't share. There's no sharing anything, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. Like, I have found out that um, <clears throat> it is moddable, and the developers are completely okay with you modding the game and whatnot. So it's interesting to take a dive into the files and see what can be done with mods and, you know, just how much you can change the game. Um, I know a little bit of what you can do, but I haven't really delved too much. I do want to see if you can set it up so each object can be interacted with multiple times um that would obviously be the ultimate goal because then that would solve the sharing problem because each of you walk up and interact with the stone and problem solved yeah that would have to i could imagine doing that but it would have to be a local mod that both of you had and it would just make it so that like if you touched something it didn't register with the game that it had been touched I'm not sure how that would work on a shared instance because again their their co-op mode is just sort of like an adaptation it's it's multiple independent players in a shared environment and that's why the environment is independent or the, the environment is shared between all players and not independent from player to player so yeah if you touch something then it's just pff, nobody else can get anything out of it again that'd be interesting i i don't know of any mods that could do that but um Mod Nexus would probably be a place to look for those. Oh, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I was actually looking at doing it myself. I mean, it's not like, you know, they they could take a cue from companies like Blizzard who have built in, you know, multi-node systems and trading systems and things that have been in place for decades. Um, That's true, but in terms of, like... Uh, just uh how do i i want to say this uh if if blizzard was blizzard at the top of the game all right blizzard knows what they're doing they got some pretty kick-ass programmers they got excellent art direction they are a triple-a company in their own right even though they're not really thought of as a triple-a company um no man's sky is an indie developer and i'm not sure if they have they definitely don't have access to the resources that active does 
And I'm yeah. not sure if they have the know-how to implement shit like that, which Blizzard has been doing since 1992. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dying Light, which came from Techland, which was another, like, indie studio, too, and they have... It's the same type of co-op that No Man's Sky has. It's just on, obviously, a much smaller scale. Um, but they have drop-in, drop-out support, and everything is shared between each other. So, I mean, it's it's got to be possible. It's just a matter of figuring out the capabilities of the engine and capabilities of the mod system. Well, yeah, it depends on how flexible their API is. Yeah. And could be fun. Who knows? I mean, it, it could be super easy. I mean, and <laughs> it's probably not. Just, just from <laughs> what I know of their game files, actually, a lot of their their game is, uh, SQL. Uh, yeah, SQL Lite uh, databases. Like that's how their save game system works. Save games are just SQL Lite tables. That's, They're also that's encrypt- what it is. encrypted too. Uh, they're, no, actually, you can, they're, they're, you can, uh, they are encrypted. This. Don't quote me on this, but there are save game editors out there, so if they are encrypted, they're not encrypted very well. No, uh, so PC is the only version that they have broken the encryption on, um, and you can, and, okay, so they're saved per platform on PC. So, like, the Steam save is encrypted to Steam, and a GOG save is encrypted to GOG. So you have to unencrypt the entire save game folder and then re-encrypt the entire save game folder, which unencrypts both of them, and then re-encrypts both of them. It seems complicated, it's not. But <clears throat> you basically run a program, decrypt, move files, re-encrypt. Done. And they work. But yeah, that's, I mean... It's that easy. It's that easy. And then, of course, you know, if you want to be a cheater, you can give yourself extra money and redo your ship seed so it's a Class S instead of a Class C and all that fun shit. Oh, um, that's right. There are different classes for ships. Yeah, that's the other thing. You can see the same ship a billion times, but it could either be like a C, B, A, or S. I think S. those are the four. Yep, yep those are the four. <sighs> With S being the highest. I just got my freighter today, uh, shortly before the podcast. Got my first freighter. Really enjoyed the space combat. Not going to lie. That was so, no, rather so enjoyable. This is just something that I do because I, I do the grind games. I figured out, I, I saw how the different freighters looked and everything. There was somebody put up a line on, uh, or a, a library on the wiki of just all the different freighters that you can get, all the different looks and color schemes, and then found some YouTube video. This was a year ago. Found some YouTube video of, like, here's this type of freighter always spawns at this point if you look for this, <laughs> this, and this. And then I just went, like, uh, on, on a, a loading spot. I just loaded the game, went to this sector, see, saw if the thing happened. If it didn't, pop back out. I just kept on doing that. For some reason, that's fun to me. It's the <laughs> level of autism that I have, and I just I did that again and again and again and again. And I got the the really neat looking freighter that I think has like a black highlights color scheme or something. Nice. Yeah, I'm uh, in the market for a new ship. The class C is just not cutting it anymore i need i'd really like a class a or s but at least a b gotta have that storage space 
that is the one thing I've learned is it is super limited. Anyway, yeah, that's no man's key. So yeah. uh, look forward to Lee uh, getting back into Nomansky after he plays Warframe. A lot of Warframe. Uh, yeah. Oh, of uh, I should mention they did change how multiplayer works. So in order to play with somebody in No Man's Sky, now you have a friend code, which if you played on Switch or anything like that, it's exactly the same thing as a Switch code. Um, except for it's just for No Man's Sky. Each account has their own unique code. You give that to somebody, they type it in, and you add them as a friend. Yeah. Which allows you to crossplay. Uh, it was because of the crossplay. So now when you enter in your friend code, so you can enter in a friend code from somebody on Xbox or PS4 or PC on GOG or Steam. Because so before what, the so what you're saying is, so what you're saying is, this indie company that you know <laughs> that is a small indie company understands the fact that they can do crossplay, but yet Bethesda, <laughs> Bethesda just can't quite get it. You know what? If we mix the two of them. And we take the positives for both of them. Like we'd have a fully working co-op space game. Just like taking play. two adults and then somehow coming out with one functional adult. <laughs> okay, that, that, that no, that might be way harder. All right, yeah. That's... You had a transporter accident. We're effectively going to create two Vix. <laughs> uh... Uh, oh, well, we can go Voyager two ways. We can go. Uh, <laughs> we can go we can talk about the 10 games that chill out and lower your stress levels or we can talk about warframe well i was i was going to bring up a couple of things regarding uh blizzard okay uh, overruled warframe <laughs> <laughs> is, is anybody surprised no um calm oh, look at calm down look at him down give him give him a couple of minutes because you guys are going to take like 20 so fine so, Okay, Timer so, starts now. <laughs> so uh, Mike Morheim and his wife, Amy Morheim, uh, have started their own uh, publishing company. Uh, he was the co-founder of Blizzard Entertainment. He was uh, he launched a new game company called Dreamhaven and established two new game studios alongside it. Moonshot and Secret Door. Um and has completely staffed the entire thing with essentially nothing but Blizzard employees. It's actually quite amazing um, to see that most of the defunct Blizzard employees, the ones that have left the company, have decided to move over um, and work for the man who really, you know, gave us a lot of the a lot of the games blizzard games as we know them today um or at least started them so you know i'm looking forward to seeing what they what they do now the other thing that i wanted to bring up is the fact that um it looks as if we are uh, warcraft is getting the pre-patch for shadowlands on october the 6th um 
they haven't officially announced a date, which everybody's like, okay, so it's probably not going to be tomorrow. Um, but the reason everybody is thinking that it's going to be the sixth now is because there have been massive issues that have occurred on the Alaria and Cadgar servers in game. And when I say massive issues, as in they took people's characters who were level 90 and did some some type of update on the server and it caused all of them to go from 120 back to 90. Um, thus losing access to all of their gear and and everything that they've worked for. Oof. So they are fixing that tomorrow by merging Cadgar and Alaria with um, Medivh and some other server. Um, they're actually merging the servers or linking the servers together so that they can fix that issue. Um, so that should hopefully be fixed tomorrow. Um, that's the reason why everybody is believing, okay, they're holding off one more week because once pre-patch drops, um, there is a lot of stuff being implemented. Um, a lot of things that are going away that you had to pay for before, um, much, uh, the appearance changes, uh, character, character race changes will still be a thing, but like, uh, changing your appearance, um, your full appearance and even changing like your character's gender will be a will will now be a free service that can be done at any in-game barber which i will I'm link impressed. i will link this video that is absolutely hilarious about uh a new barber who just got his new barber's license one day before pre-patch and this one guy comes in asking for a sex change and it turns into an absolute horror show. Hey, Kirby's here. <laughs> Kirby. Hey, Kirby. Zero so, talking about uh, some sort of pastry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, mages do make, make mana buns. So technically anyway, yes. Okay. We can move to Warframe now. I've gotten the, the wow the wow news out of the way I still, uh, I still haven't been granted permission to go on my warhammer 40k lore rant we don't have that kind of time yeah we should really devote an entire podcast to that so we can start at the very beginning because warhammer 40k don't forget for the 40k stands for the year so it's 40,000 the year 40,000 but the, the history really starts back in the 2000s where we are right now and it just sort of goes from there there's a lot to catch up on good shit it's good shit very rich don't forget there's Warhammer Fantasy, too. There's also Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, there's also uh, a... Yeah, that's right. The the alternate universes where Vermintide and, and whatnot take place. This is true. Better or, enough Warhammer nerds to have picked up stuff by osmosis. Mm, that's good stuff. Ever-painted figurines? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> it's an indication of how much uh, hair is on your neck. Uh, <laughs> As well as how much money you spent. Front or back? Yeah. First one, then the other. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're oh, right. Yeah. It's, it's also a money sink. Figurines are a money sink, but they're yeah, they're just so fun to paint, and you can get really into it and create all these little dioramas. That's why that's the same thing as fucking model trains. If I had a basement that was big enough, I'd have a model train set up, and the model train would be swarmed by uh, blood blood soldiers or blood guard. <laughs> I can see yeah, this wow. being a thing. Um, and and you know what? I'm not at all sad about it. Yeah. Ultramarines are actually kind of kind of the best, just because you know it's hard to it's hard to beat out. You want Paragon, you want like the ultimate Paragon, yeah. You go Ultramarines right about the time of the uh, the seating across the stars where the uh, the or the Empire of Man was expanding. Good stuff. But yeah, Venus, you got back into Warframe re recently. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, my friends were playing Warframe. And they said, come play. And I said, okay. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> Enlightening. This is, why, this is why you don't play Warframe, because it's more friend, fun with friends. Yeah, I decided to give it a shot. So, um, so far, so good. No, no, nothing to complain about. Nothing to really... Uh, I'm excited for my puppy. Yeah, you're incubating a Cupro right now. Yeah. And uh, just just last night, we got you to pick up all the blueprints of the dojo for the Neja Warframe. So you built those mm -hmm. parts. We got you some Argon Crystal, too. And you got those we parts did. all built, so and now the Warframe is building. The Warframe is on the way. It'll sit in three days or something like that. In days thrice. And yep. until then, uh, even playing Oberon. Yeah, and that's been entertaining. Yeah, you love to lay down grass. I do like the grass planting. <laughs> <laughs> the grass planter. He is the grass planter. My the three you can you can load configurations for your warframes and your arsenal, so you can save three unique configurations, and you can also name them. And mine for Oberon are um, at, uh, yeah, gas, grass, ass. <laughs> no surprise. Just, just based on his skills, he can guess what does what. <laughs> That's Cash, fun. grass, or ass. Nobody rides for free. Yeah. Um. 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 Uh. Let's see. Yeah. If we want to go actually into the uh, the updates, oh, Omega's not here though. Maybe we want to wait to talk about Heart of Demos until Omega's here. But Masami is here. So, I'm torn. Whatever you want to do, Masami. Um, I mean, he's just digging into Deimos. I've already, I've been through most of the content, so I mean, I can give a nice big overall of what I think about it, and then we can do what he thinks about it whenever he gets back. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good. You go into it and um, go full spoilers. It's perfectly fine. I've been through the content, and he doesn't listen to these podcasts, so. <laughs> um so uh i was titillated by deimos when we got a look at it during TennoCon, so i was actually super excited for it to come out i was really happy i only had to wait a month um probably got has to be one of the least buggy updates i have seen for warframe in the year i've been playing little over little over a year at this point 
by a couple months now. Time flies. Time is time is a construct I do not know right now. Um, Thanks, Corona. Right. Um, so I actually really enjoyed the story on this one, uh, but I'm weird. I, I enjoy, you know, story and plot and games. So uh, mm. I was pleased that they incorporated a little tidbits of story as you rank up with the faction you know a lot of the other the other two open worlds don't really have that i think there's maybe something at the end of for some of them but um there's literally something you get tidbit wise every single time you do a mechanical thing which i i really love when when they bridge grindy mechanics with story because it makes you actually want to go through the grind but uh um the, the family story of, of Deimos is very touching, even though they're very infested and they're still orc and assholes. But um, the world is fucking beautiful. Just just freaky gorgeous. They did a really nice job with, with everything, even with the bugs that were there. Because, I mean, let's face it, it's not a Warframe patch. It's not bugs. Um, it, even those were mildly tolerable once you figured out which bug was affecting you and which, whatever thing you were doing. Um, I I think I got most through through most of the content in two weeks of, of playing a few hours every night. Um, I haven't played a lot recently, because, mostly because I was kind of waiting for my friends to start playing again. Because it's more fun when you have less to do if you're helping friends get there too. <laughs> it's easier when the burden is shared. That is yeah, true. Enough. Or misery loves company. Yeah, that that works as well. I think they go hand in hand. Um, the jeez, as um, I know uh, you you had a, a you probably had a better experience with this uh, with this release than I did, and uh, we got into a little bit of it last night while we were playing. Um, as far as open worlds go, I was. I think I got back into the game. I seriously started like playing every day again when uh, Planes of Eidolon was released. That was their first open world experience, and there were there were some bugs with uh, Plane of Eidolon for sure. But they, even though it was probably the biggest open area or the biggest map that they had attempted to create at that time, it was still it was relatively simple. They sort of took baby steps. And uh, Planes of Eidolon wasn't the only thing that came out at once. I think that was also the introduction of Sanctuary Onslaught. I'm probably remembering that wrong. Don't quote me on that. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, it, Planes of Eidolon uh, came out. had some bugs in it. They, they worked through that. The big mechanic behind that, obviously, was the Eidolon hunting. Uh, that development on that went on, like, I think it's still ongoing, actually. <laughs> so they're still doing stuff and tweaking things. Uh, the next one that I was there for was Orvalis, and Orvalis introduced a lot of brand new mechanics. Uh, the big one was uh, conservation, which is hunting. You want to take this into real life, the only difference between conservation and hunting is that the end, at the end of the day, the animal is either alive or dead. So it's conservation in the game, but it's, it's basically a hunting mechanic. And the thing that I remember about that is, with the exception of the birds... Conservation worked. They had a problem with the birds because when you tranked the birds, the birds didn't 
float down to Earth. They just sort of stopped and took a nap in midair. And if you didn't have uh, Arcwing or anything like that, then you were kind of shit out of luck. So that was the big bug that I remember with conservation on uh, Fortuna. And then there were a whole bunch of other smaller bugs. Or uh, the new one, Heart of Deimos, that's come out, not really that dissimilar from the other open world releases. Of course there are bugs, because it's DE. There always are. In this... Uh, in this case, though, I've never gone fishing before and gotten stuck to the point where, like, I had to abort mission to get out, uh, or I had to wait until Avara's cloak ran out so that something would come by and kill me. I think that's what you said you did, Masami. Yeah. That, that's not a bug that I think should happen at this point. We've had the fishing mechanic over two open world games. What's the problem at this point? conservation is also presenting a, a similar problem now the birds forget that the birds don't float to the ground anymore the birds are spawning inside of stuff so you can't get to them and when you have an open conservation thing going you can't go off and do another one because it thinks that you're in the middle of one already and you can't really complete so the only way for me to get out of that one was to go back into the the waiting area or the lobby and everything and then just come out all over again so there are bugs in this that don't really make a lot of sense to me because they're based on mechanics that have already right. been in the game and they work. So yeah. that confuses yeah. me. Well, at least they're consistent with, you know, issues with birds. Um, I will say that there is a pretty major one with the... No. That was so sweet. A... There was a pretty major bug with the uh, Necromix. Um, if they died, you lost all of your like XP that you gained toward level eight. Ed. Yeah, they they had to patch that one fairly quickly. I mean, and when well they should, because that's kind of what's the what's the point of taking your Necromech out and kicking some ass and then losing all the progress that you made towards that because you died once. So that, but at least that's a brand new mechanic in game. We've never had mech suits before. Yeah, it's kind of a prototype Warframe, the the progenitors of the Warframe, as you will, for the uninitiated amongst us, um, and the newly initiated. Um, <laughs> they are actually planning on um, there. You can actually pull them out in more than just demos. You can pull them out on any open world, and there is a future plan to eventually be able to pull them out in missions. But that's be like, interesting. There, I will say, though, if they're going to uh, make it so that we can pull them out in some points in missions, they're going to have to make them a little bit more badass than they currently are. Because I've got Warframes that can kick the shit out of Necromex and kill a lot faster than Necromex. I'm sure almost everyone does, actually, except for Elitinus, but that's all going to change once you've built Neja. <laughs> it's a really solid frame. Soon. Hashtag soon. So Heart of Demos definitely has its ups and downs. Um, the, yeah. the negative parts of that are that there are bugs that are in there that are affecting gameplay and that they're not all fixed yet and you're sort of having to deal with it, even though we're past a month now from release. The positive of that is that they've created a... Oh, Omega actually brought this up, and he'll probably say it again on the next podcast. 
One area where Warframe has never been lacking in is art development. They make beautiful shit, and Demos mm -hmm. is a beautiful open world. And we also have this uh, new mechanic for uh, standing and, you know, interconnection of merchants uh, in the the uh, lobby or the waiting area there, the Necrolisk. Um, that's, it's kind of nice to see these people interconnected. You sort of have to go back and forth and... Uh, yeah, I really have to do tasks for each of them. Yeah, I really like the token system quite a lot. I, I will say that I probably avoided most of the like gathering bugs to kind of lump fishing and conservation into one category just because I sat there and I did just isolation vaults ad nauseum. Because <laughs> you can get a lot of those same resources without the effort. I literally only had to go I, I literally just had to like go and target specific things uh, because I had just got someone to show the general resources that way. Yep. So yeah, the uh, positive aspects are they're, they're reworking the whole thing. I like the token system too specifically because you can go out and you can grind out in the course of a couple hours you can grind out about a thousand tokens like more than a thousand tokens if you're at it for more than an hour actually you're doing that steel path bounty just over and over you can rack up thousands of tokens and you can use those tokens you trade the tokens in and you get standing open worlds before now you go out you do tasks and the tasks earn you standing so once you've hit your daily standing cap you're just done doing tasks but the token system allows you to make as many tokens as you want over the course of one day and then for the rest of the week all you gotta do is log in for five minutes, go to the planet, trade in some tokens, max out your standing, you're done. So, I absolutely I did this. Absolutely did this. It was fucking beautiful. <laughs> Especially so going from rank four to five, because that's like the sluggiest part of that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not bad, but. You can literally like do like a bunch of work up front and then just slowly let it pay off. Which I think so, was the entire intent if I remember what Reb said when one of the many streams. Yeah. So that is that's the extent of the new content in Warframe, right? There's not uh There's not anything much. else that drops out with that patch, is there? Um, the the sleeper surprise was the, uh, at least one of them, was um, they added a mod for the Oxculisk. Uh, it's the little companion you can get off of oh, the that's right. in, in um, Orb Valis, or in Fortuna, uh, that basically will auto-scan plants for you. So for those of you doing the Titania quest, handy. Yeah, so the Oxylus, I already have the Oxylus on Ivara. I love it for Ivara because I use her for uh, conservation and fishing. The Oxylus already uh, shows you on the minimap where fishing hotspots are. And it just tells you, hey, good shit here. And you can go over there, and it automatically applies dye to fish so that you can see them very clearly. So with the addition of that mod that makes it scan plant life, that's that's pretty great. I do I do really like that. I literally like bought it um, 
immediately, pretty much. I just had to do like one set of uh, Samaris targets because uh, it is a Samaris rep purchase. Uh, by the way, anyone worried about getting second copies of their frames for the Helminth, uh, they reduced all costs for frames available through the through Samaris uh, by half. Yep. So this is not something that Leetness ever has to worry about because he's you're you're going through the star chart, Leetness. You're going to get all your frames the the legit way, and you're going to get them through quests. But after you have all your frames, and you maybe want to experiment with some of the end game content, you can. There are some frames that are only available through quests, and you can really only get the blueprints once. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they made it so that you can go buy them through Samaris a while ago, and as Masami said, they reduced the costs of getting the components through Samaris, uh, in the last update. You are right. Look at that. Hmm. It's good stuff. That's Warframe. Warframe. One day I look forward to knowing what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Masami just checked. She's got 800 hours in the game, so yeah. you, you got uh, you got a ways to go, but you'll get there for sure. I play much less variety of games. I literally have maybe two or three games on my computer. So the fact that I have 800 hours in just over a year is somewhere between somewhat unsurprising, considering that, and depressing at the same time. And yet, yeah, 800 hours is like a drop in the bucket for Warframe. Yeah. I'm still like MR20. I, I have no ambition to <laughs> raise MR. If I get to the end of MR20, I will absolutely take the test to become 21 because damn it, my op my my Warframe should be able to drink. Yep. There you go. I surprisingly have 113 hours there. Well I'm sure because we've dragged you through stuff before. <laughs> Linus, yeah. by the way, was the one who got me into Warframe in the first place. Damn. I was it's my fault. You were like, hey, there's this game on Steam. We should totally play this together. And I'm like, what? And uh, we went in there and that was before nodes. Or sorry, that was before junctions. So you could just go to any node on any planet that you wanted to. I have seen pictures. So I, I, I will just have to take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. That's why when I seriously started playing the game back in, I was like, Junctions? The fuck are these? I had everything unlocked up to, like, Pluto. Because I just had done a node on it, well, at least one node on almost all the planets. I don't think that Sedna existed when we started playing Linus. I would, I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah, that was, that was like 2014, end of 2014, Doc 2015. How many hours did you say you have in Warframe? Uh, 2,222.6. Okay, so that was my time in Destiny before I quit. Ooh. Yeah. Were you a pro at Destiny? No, I, I definitely was not. Yeah, so it's kind of the same. <laughs> One day I, I will achieve the rank of Warframe noob. <laughs> but it is not this day. Honestly, as long as I can just keep doing the new content as I, as it comes out, that will keep me happy. Man, no, I gotta I I'm done getting all the weapons uh that are available just through blueprints and whatnot. Now I'm on to collecting all the prime weapons that I can. 
Alrighty, guys, I'm gonna probably call it for me. Yep. It's yeah, uh, man. it's about time to wrap the podcast up. Yeah, we've been going for an hour and seven minutes. Ooh, well, we went the distance tonight. And Gobi thought it would only take twenty minutes to get through all the topics. Yeah, bullshit. Oh, I was just setting the bar low. <laughs> now, now, have I seen Doc blow through an entire list of uh, an entire list of topics in a very short period of time? Absolutely, and it yeah, was ten glorious. seconds. Ten seconds, I think, is the record. Oh my God. Might be. It was glorious. I'll have to find that. I think it's actually. Uh, I think I actually have it saved on my Twitch channel. What were we rushing through that we had to? I don't even remember why we were rushing through the topics. We want to talk about something. Yeah, inane that... and 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 weird. I remember. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, it happens. All right, we'll catch y'all next week. Thanks for joining. Peace. Peace. Later. See you. Later, Kirby.